Or are you listening to this podcast now? Settle in, grab a cuppa, it's all welcome. It's the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast with James and Ellie. Hey team, welcome to the latest instalment of the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast. I am here this week with Ellie, as usual, and in what's quite normal for a Monday now, with Vicky once again. We are here today to talk a little bit about gut health. Now, this is another example of a, of a topic that is, I think, from, from the brief conversations we had with Vicky already, kind of fairly new, I mean, relatively speaking, last couple of years, generally, in terms of some of the research that's coming out, but definitely very new to me. So I'm looking forward to learning a lot this morning, as I usually do, from Vicky. We're going to look at gut health how gut health contributes to other forms of health that you might not necessarily associate it with and see where the conversation goes. How are you guys doing today? Ellie, you well? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. Yeah, I'm really good. Vicky, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Um, we are not going to worry about getting warmed up with the Q&A this morning, um, as we've already had an informal Q&A before we hit record. And I think, again, as always, there's quite a large selection of information that we're going to cover this morning so I think let's jump straight into it. Um, I guess Vic the first question I've got is I guess why you're you know you, you said before we started recording that you can talk for, for hours on this this topic and actually it has huge relevance to kind of overall health and other forms of health like mental health. Why why is gut health such a fascination for you and why does it play such an important role in in your your life and and should play such an important role in other people's lives yeah um it is a huge topic and um like i was saying before this podcast that actually most of the research that has has come out has come out since i've been studying nutrition and it's one of the reasons that um i actually went into studying nutrition myself. Um, I am someone who um, has suffered a lot with irritable bowel syndrome um, in the past. Um, and if we turn the clocks back 10 years ago, um, I was getting a lot of um, stomach discomfort. Uh, and when I went to my local GP at the time, um, they completely passed it off. Um, and what it turned out I had, I had um, stomach ulcers, um, which had which I'd got because I'd got um, a pathogen called H. pylori, which you might heard, hear of. And that's um, uh, a bug that that can thrive in the stomach and create ulcers. And because of that, um, the sort of offset from that was was irritable bowel syndrome, which is uh, we will probably talk about a little bit more uh, in this podcast. And but what that has essentially meant is that my um, sort of nutritional focus has often surrounded gut health um, because it is a huge topic and fortunately for me in the last 10 years loads and loads of information has come out so it's enabled me to support my own nutritional needs but also because of the passion that lies around that to support lots of other people as well um, so yeah it's huge at the moment there's if you go into the supermarkets, lots of things are branded gut health, good for your gut, um, friendly bacteria. Uh, so it's a big thing at the moment. So I'm hoping this podcast can sort of demystify a few things so that people know what to spend their money on and, not, and what not to spend their money on. 
Wicked. Well, that sounds great. Um, I'm look, as I said previously, I'm looking forward to learning a little bit more. So where do we start? Where's, where's a good place to start in understanding gut health? Let's start with our intestines. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, the, the, when we think of, of gut health, or, and especially if you go into a supermarket, it's all about um, good bacteria, friendly bacteria. So let's talk a little bit more about that. So, um, so within um, our gut, um, especially within our intestines, we have um, something called gut um, microbiota or our microbiome, or if we make that much more easy to digest, our, our, our friendly bacteria. Um, so we have um, a lot of microbial cells uh, within our digestive system. Um, in fact, when I first started studying nutrition, it was always thought, oh, you've got like two kilos of, of bacteria uh, in your digestive system, which I actually quite recently have still been saying. But new research says we've got about, let's put it into context, a mango's worth, <laughs> which is about 200 grams of, of bacteria. Um, which is not our own, it's completely foreign, um, sitting uh, in our gut. And that's pretty insane to think you've got 200 grams of something that you know, doesn't belong to you at all, it's foreign. We, we often think of bacteria as a bad thing um, and that's sitting within our digestive system. So if you sort of think about that in context, um, each of those little bacteria their own sort of gene system as well um, their own ways of interacting of, of having something to do um, and so if you look at it like that there's way more genes within that that um, microbiome within all that bacteria than there is within our actual human body so it's insane it means that that mango's worth of, of bacteria can do so much and has the potential to benefit us so much but I think it's worth not forgetting that it's not just good bacteria that sits within um, our digestive system. It's also there can be bad bacteria and, and the good and the bad are sitting in, within um, that system at all times. But what we need to make sure as, um, as we go about day to day lives uh, is that that bad bacteria doesn't outweigh the good bacteria. So we need to look at, at making sure we've got a good balance. Um, if we get too much bad bacteria, we can then obviously get digestive discomfort. We can also get quite ill. Um, and that's known as gut dysbiosis. So we're looking at finding balance. And unfortunately, our Western lifestyles promote a little bit more dysbiosis um, than we would like, really. Uh, so I'm hoping that I can start to talk a little bit more about ways we can really find that balance. Um, so we can really support everyone's digestive health as it has such a big impact overall. Wicked. Is there a way, and just thinking out loud, is there a way to kind of assess where you might currently, without the obvious, you know, chronic illness or, or you know, very obviously presenting signs of bad gut health, is there a way to kind of assess where you might be before entering into trying to improve gut health? There, well, there's lots of sort of questionnaires um, to see how you're feeling, but you can actually have stool tests done. That's the, the like actual blueprint way of doing it. Um, and it's actually from a nutritional therapist point of view, it's quite commonly done now um, because the majority of our um, 
bacteria or microbiome um, sits within our, our large intestine, uh, it's really easy to, to test that. So stool testing is the absolute blueprint, um, but other than that, it would be about um, talking to a therapist really and going through an actual questionnaire to see, see what's happening. Um, but I'm sure I can sort of demystify a few little points so people can think, mm -hmm, this is where we're at. So what I, I know the the conversations that we've had prior to recording about the, the things that we wanted to cover this morning, um, you know, you pulled out some um, kind of larger, interesting talking points. Where, where, where do we, where do we make a start on understanding gut health and what, what, what are the, what are the main points for you that I think are worth basing our conversation around? Um, so certainly just making sure um, that we are really focusing on, on um, just making sure we're looking after our, our microbiome, so that good friendly bacteria, um, but also just making sure that um, we're looking after the things that could influence um, how our digestive system functions. So uh, if we talk a little bit more about the microbiome, um, I've spoken you know, a little bit about um, the fact that you know, each bacteria has its own like genetic coding really, um, but we've got trillions of, of different types of, of bacteria. Like we're just literally at the pinnacle of, of understanding how many like types of bacteria uh, reside in our digestive system. Um, um, but what we do know is that everyone's uh, is different and that can almost be like a blueprint and an identity card for ourselves. And that really affects different things. So, you know, different um, bacteria can switch on different things. Uh, it can have enable the ability to do things better. So, for example, different bacteria can support things like the breakdown of, of dairy. Um, you know, it can allow us to be intolerant to something or, or more tolerant to something. Uh, it can support our mental health. Um, so what we need to do is try to think about how we can influence these things. Um, so things we can't really um, influence are obviously our genetics, which do play into it. Um, but things like the environment we live in, the medication we take, our dietary habits, um, how much we drink and environment all play a part. Um, in uh, enabling that, that blueprint to, to function as, as best as it can. So maybe we should talk a little bit about what the gut is. That's probably a really good starting point um, because it's, it is now this sort of fad word that is sort of branded around. Uh, but if we don't know what it is, how can we help it? <laughs> so the gut um, or the GIT, the um, gastrointestinal tract um, is actually actually starts in our mouth so we've got I've talked about these friendly bacteria um, but we've got those in our mouth we've got a lot of bacteria in our mouth and that can be good and bad we also have um, digestive enzymes in our mouth so the when we put food in our mouth it actually starts the breakdown already in the mouth so that's why chewing is so so important not just because of chewing food but because we've got something called digestive amylase which starts to break down carbohydrate so the importance is from that or the takeaway from that is don't just chug down food make sure you're chewing mindfully also and i think we'll probably delve into this a little bit more is our digest our gut is 
linked to our brain and that all starts in our mouth so if we can um, make sure we're mindfully eating that is really going to help that digestive function so talking a bit more about um, the gut or the gastrointestinal tract, um, it starts in our mouth, it runs all the way down to our anus. Um, so that includes our um, esophagus, uh, our stomach, pancreas, liver, uh, small intestines and large intestines, which we'll probably talk about the most, and then the rectum and the anus. So that whole tract is about 7.2 meters long. So it's it's freaking huge to be quite honest. Um, so I wrote a few little fun facts down that I thought people might be interested in. So when we swallow food, it takes nine seconds to hit the stomach. Once that food is in our stomach, it sits there being broken down. It's actually going through quite a lot of movement actually um, for two hours. Um, once that is broken down, it then goes into our small intestine and it's in our small intestine um, for two to, um, two to three hours uh, and that's where a lot more of the digestion happens and then it goes into our large intestine where a lot of the absorption happens and it sits there for about 18 hours so um, if you think about just putting some food in your mouth it's there for quite a while and there's a lot happening and um, so it's incredibly incredibly complex but pretty amazing. I'm, I'm really interested in the and I know yeah, Ellie is as well was mentioned earlier on the the link between gut health and mental health so how the thing the thing i'm that's already standing out is how much how much food can influence non-food related things and how non-food related things can influence things that would by definition seem to be food influenced like the fact that exercise and um your kind of the medications that you take how you, like feeding methods from birth that you've touched on your weight gain how that can influence gut health and then how in turn something like the health of your gut can influence how you feel though those are, are things that i've probably not really given much thought to before and i think is probably where my interest lies can we can you just talk a little bit about how and why, other than the lack of guilt that you might feel if you've eaten really, really well, how and why gut health can influence how I might be feeling? Yeah, absolutely. And you've also touched on a couple of things I might also talk a little bit about. So the first thing you sort of said about was um, you questioned how birth interacts with how our digestive function works which um is something i guess i take for granted now um so i should talk about these so i've mentioned about we've got this incredible um world of bacteria in our in our digestive system um but that has to start somewhere so actually when we're born and um birth you know, in an ideal world happens naturally. What happens then uh, is as uh, the baby passes out of the mother's vagina, um, the mother has bacteria uh, around there and that is touches on the baby's skin um, or and into their mouth. Um, and that is the first stage of colonizing um, the digestive tract with bacteria. So that natural birth plays actually a quite a big importance 
into how um, how digestive function could happen um, could like emerge evolve over our lifetime so actually it's one of the questions I ask um, when I see clients one of the first questions I ask so um, this is you know uh, science and um, the medical world is quite knowledgeable about this we, we do know about this so if a baby isn't born naturally now what a, a doctor or nurse tends to do is it tends to take a little swipe a little swab uh, and put it into the baby's mouth so um, what's really good now is it doesn't matter it, it's not as important whether you're naturally born or c-section born but it is important that that bacteria uh, it is sort of propagated really um, and then the second side of that um, is whether you're breastfed or bottle fed um, so the mother's milk has a, a lot of good bacteria in it as well um, and so that can also influence a baby's digestive system and has how that baby evolves so again if you are a mother out there and you're bottle feeding um, absolutely there's you know don't feel guilty about that at all but just look at the formula that maybe you're providing your little one or if possible if you can express at any point um, just to support and you know giving your baby the the nutrients and the um, friendly bacteria it needs because there are very specific bacteria that um, support support baby's health so that's like the first stage it, it's huge that's like it starts right from birth um, but I guess then the other side of it is our that bacteria that runs through through us is transient so it's constantly changing and evolving um, and so much of that can affect it so one of those things we've just touched upon is, is our mind our mood or stress can play a huge role around um, our digestive digestive function and they are completely inter interlinked so um, uh, as a therapist now I talk a lot about what's called the, the gut brain connection because the gut and the brain or, um, are connected by a nerve it's called the vagus nerve uh, and the two talk to each other um, so if our brain ain't happy our tummy ain't happy either and vice versa um, so we really need to support that um, like research shows that actually you know if we think about our happy hormone serotonin so that the um hormone that makes us feel like gives that that buzz us that buzz that nice happy glow feeling um 95 of of serotonin is actually located in the in the gut and that's huge so you know it it completely stands for a reason that if we're not happy then our, our digestive system is probably going to be compromised as well um so our um, digestive system has its own nervous system. So we talked uh, in uh, one of our other podcasts um, about, about stress and resilience. Um, and one of the things uh, we talked about was that sort of autonomic nervous system or the sort of fight or flight, rest and digest um, system. And that's what happens without, subconsciously. So our enteric nervous system, um, the nervous system around our digestive system, that also sits within that autonomic nervous system. So it's out of our control. It's happening on itself by itself and it's doing tons of things. It's enabling uh, our body to digest, to move, um, but it's also supporting that the, how we feel with it. So things like we say, oh, I've got, you know, I feel it in my gut. 
or uh, I'm like, I've got butterflies in my stomach. Those aren't just like mother sayings, they actually really make sense. Uh, so yeah, it's a huge topic. And so it's really uh, important that, yeah, we do try and really support our digestive system so that we're happy uh, and we try and reduce um, our, what I call life load um, so that we're not too, putting too much pressure um, on our digestive system because that wear and tear um, can lead long-term to ill health. Thanks Vicky, I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> you know that um, my, the vagus nerve fact is one of my all-time favorites about the human body. Um, and I think it explains a huge amount. And you've just, you've just talked about the fact that obviously our gut has its own nervous system and there's loads going on that we have no control over the fight or flight. And that's kind of all happening automatically. But that's not to say that we don't have control over how we feel mentally based on what we eat, does it? Because I think we've, we mentioned this just before we started recording and you and I have talked about this at length before that actually what you eat has a direct impact on how you feel mentally because of that vagus nerve connection. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, if you, especially um, if we look at what I'm going to classify as the sort of standard Western diet, so that is, for example, um, you know, it could be low in, in, a range of nutrients. Uh, it could be too high in protein, for example, or too high in carbohydrate, or a mixture of just, you know, bad fats, um, bad carbohydrate, uh, and too much, too much protein, for example. All of these things can play off uh, into then how our digestive system functions, or having to overwork different areas, uh, and that can. Um, yeah, make us feel lousy. Um, so it's really important that we we really try and eat well um, to yeah to enable us to feel to feel happy. Okay, so and I, I'm playing devil's advocate a little bit here, and I've had yeah. I've had lots of conversations with um, uh, nutrition clients that we work with at the gym, and I think at the moment there's a lot of because of this ongoing situation which is starting to feel like it's never ending although we know an end will come and I think talking to people you know being dialed in with their nutrition is harder now than it has been for all sorts of reasons because they don't they're not able to train the way that they want to so they don't feel like there's much point in eating the way that they would when they're going to the gym because they're not going to get the same results or because comfort food and I use that term loosely makes people in the first instance, feel better um, and all sorts of other things like accountability and all the rest of it. But one of the things that I've started talking to, to people about is rather than, you know, forget, forgetting the forgetting the body composition side, forgetting the weight gain or weight loss or whatever it is they're trying to achieve. Actually, what people need to focus on is not cutting out everything that is and I'm bad in inverted commas or doesn't have a huge amount of beneficial qualities but it's more about adding food that does have those now I don't know so essentially what we're saying is eat more but you know be be mindful about what you're eating don't eat fish and chips every night of the week but you know if you want to have that on a Friday night because it makes you feel better it's something to look forward to then do that because that has its own place but actually in the weeks even if you're not making brilliant choices all the time add more nutrients so whatever it is you're choosing to eat add more nutrients because that will still 
have a beneficial impact. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's it's nice that you're talking about this because I'm sort of I'm working. Uh, I work at a bank three days a week, uh, and I've started to work around how I can um, talk about nutrition in terms of sort of like almost like finance. Um, so I like to call it net profit foods. So foods that are going to benefit us, and those are the foods that we want to have an abundance of, to have rich, and not to starve ourselves. Um, so yeah, looking at if we talk about let's start with fruit and veg. Okay, so. When we're in lockdown at the moment, um, we don't know how long it's going to happen for and then we sort of feel like we're in limbo. But even if we can't train to our maximum capability, there is no reason why we shouldn't be eating an abundance of really good net profit foods. So let's start with fruit and veg. There is absolutely so much reason why we should try and have high plant essentially diversity so lots of different color because that's going to provide us with loads of nutrients and that's great for us so that we've got all those nutrients that help to support our bodily function but also helping us to stay happy and healthy but also the other side of that is you know we've talked about we've got this whole world of other organisms within us and we want to keep them happy and healthy too and they love plant diversity they need something to eat um, so we call this prebiotics or um so uh our friendly our gut bacteria eats um, vegetables uh, it doesn't it eats fiber and that's plant fiber so it doesn't have to be from vegetables it could be from fruit as well uh, and we've mentioned that there's we've got hundreds and hundreds of these different bacteria and they all like different things so the more plant diversity we can have in our diet the more they've got to feed off and if they're doing loads and loads of different um if they play loads and loads of different roles and functions in our own bodies then if we've got if they get all the food they need then they can work even better for us so the first thing i'd be saying is try and make sure you're getting um at least 30 grams of fiber in your diet per day um, or let's put that into um, more context, making sure you get those five fruit and veggies into your diet every day and try and make them as much variety as possible. So ultimately over the week, if you could get 30 different fruit and veggies, that would be the ultimate goal. Um, but just trying to have lots and lots of variety there um, so that you're getting a like, huge spectrum of nutrients uh, and so that your gut bacteria are also getting a huge spectrum of nutrients. Um, fiber plays a huge role in that. So we've got um, two types of fiber, soluble and insoluble. Uh, and there, the, the role of fiber is almost to like bulk up our, our poo, our stools, um, but also um, for when we're digesting food, um, uh, fiber basically can't be broken down um, by, by our stomach, by our, di um, by our digestive system. And so that sort of comes through our entire digestive tract, that's 7.2 <laughs> meters. Um, and it works as almost like a brush. So when we have that fiber in our diet, it is literally sweeping up lots of crap. Uh, it's like a, yeah, a, a brush that comes all the way down our tract and it is, it's sweeping up toxins, it's sweeping up hormones, all the stuff we don't want. So if we don't have that fiber, then we're, those toxins are remaining in our digestive system. Those hormones that we don't need 
um, that have been used are sitting are staying with it in our body system and that can create for example hormone imbalance so it's really important to have that fiber so we're mopping up all those things that we no longer need um, and then that comes down all the way into our digestive system um, and, it, and it then acts as food uh, comes down to our intestines and it then acts as food for um, those colonies of bacteria. Um, so super important to make sure we're getting that fibre in our diet too. Is there a simple way for people to, again, I'm kind of thinking out loud and we've talked about like the length of the intestinal tract and the rate of digestion, the, the amount of time that food is spent in different areas in the body. Is there a way to kind of hack that or like strategically use digestion time with different types of food like and I'm thinking on quite a simple level if I think about protein and supplementing with protein specifically I know um, like casein for instance is is ideal if you're having protein late in the afternoon or late in the evening because it can it digests a lot slower or, or it's absorbed a lot slower. So actually it's probably more suitable for, for consuming before you then go to sleep for eight hours. Is there anything in relation to speed of absorption and what nutrition is absorbed or, or what nutrients are absorbed at different points in the gastrointestinal tract that people can kind of use to their advantage? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit. So um, I think the first thing I'd sort of say is, is certainly with regards to immunity. So um, our uh, immune system um, is, is really um, sort of sits hands in hand um, with our digestive function as well. So um, all of that bacteria um, in, our, in our gut is playing a huge, huge role in enabling our immune, like keeping us our immunity high as uh, something like like 70 percent of our, our immune system sits within our digestive function so that's a another huge reason for making sure that our, our um that we've got like a really healthy um gut um so one of the things i would often recommend is making sure you have probiotic food before bed so um if we talk about nutritional timing here um so if we talk about probiotic food that is food which has got friendly bacteria in it and this is when you're going to go to the supermarket and suddenly see all they're like happy guts good bacteria um but it's it's that food that is it's really good to have that throughout the day but particularly as your last meal of the day because our immune system is is doing the most work when we're asleep so sleep is super important uh, but one of the reasons is because it allows that time for our bodies to get to work so we might be asleep but our body is doing so much um, so if you can make sure you have um, yeah, some probiotic food before bed. It gives us that time to digest it. Um, so, uh, and especially, you know, with some good fiber content as well, it means that your um, friendly bacteria can really support your immunity overnight um, when your body is doing a lot. I think another thing about timing as well is, you know, we talk a lot about adding food eating more but actually there is a time and a place for not eating 
um, because our body does need an opportunity to just clean out really uh, we call this autophagy uh, in the scientific world um, but it is literally your body's opportunity to have a spring clean and I think you know Ellie talks about her little light bulb moment with the vagus nerve but mine was autophagy because I was like oh my gosh that's so weird like our body literally has almost like a hoovering <laughs> function that it does and like this is true it's all in scientific terminology but um it literally does so it kind of hoover up and a lot of that is the time where we're not eating so a lot of it's quite fashionable at the moment um for things like um fasting um or fasting windows or time restricted eating um and i think um that can be quite intimidating for some people um so i think it's better to think of it as just making sure you have a time to like make sure you have a good sleep window um and maybe stretching that a little bit out like stretching out a little bit further so you're making sure you have two hours plus at a minimum before bed when you're not eating so have your last meal of the day and then try not to touch food until your first meal of the day breakfast what does breakfast stand for it stands for break fast so we're using that time so that our body can just clean out it can do the work it needs to do without having to direct all of its attention to digesting food and so that fasting window is really important now if you're someone like me who doesn't do very well not having a first meal of the day maybe that's about having your last meal of the day a bit earlier um, or just having something a little bit um, lighter to start the day I'm also especially, you know, I've touched upon my own history of irritable bowel syndrome. So um, liquid food works very well for me. So things like soups, soups are such an easy way to get so many nutrients into your system without having to work too hard on digesting or juicing. Juicing has been really fashionable. And I think there's a lot of like, should we juice, shouldn't we juice? Is it good? Is it bad? Um, but the reason why juicing has benefits is because it's basically taking all that fiber out, which fiber can be good uh, and is good. But if there's our body still has to work on it. So the idea of juicing is just giving you a really concentrated source of nutrients that your body doesn't have to work on. So soups, juicing and smoothies, smoothies are ways that your body can work less hard, but still get all of those nutrients into the system. Nice. I was going to ask, actually, well, first of all, let's just clarify juicing in a nutrient sense not in a pharmaceutical sense but <laughs> yes <laughs> um i was going to actually come on and ask the, the question to, so to make this kind of more pardon the pun digestible what what foods i'm guessing there are more there are there are some sources of fiber that are, are much more digestible or or, or kind of easily broken down and, and received by the body than others um, what are the what are the kind of easy go to's that people can you know we, we've talked obviously a lot about fruit and veg you know roughly 30 grams of fiber a day you know in an ideal world you know 25 30 different types of veg every week what what are the what are the kind of easy what's what's the most easily accessible like digestible fiber that people are probably around a lot more than they realize that that is that is available to them yeah, let's talk a little bit more about this because this is stuff that I'm learning more about at the moment. And I think I've just always been like, oh, that's fine. I have loads of veg. Yeah. I'm getting what I need. Um, but actually, it's, it's pretty exciting what's happening, like what we're learning about fibre and how important it is. And yeah, just 
keep tapping into what I'm learning, guys, because because this stuff is only going to grow. We are only going to learn more, learn more. And yeah, it like from my point of view, um, I'm really excited and I want to pass that information on. Um, so, yeah, fiber. So we have two types of fiber. We've already mentioned that we've got soluble and insoluble. So let's talk about soluble fiber. So these are our chia seeds, our flax seeds. Uh, even if you think about, if you have a bowl of cereal, for example, so think about a Weetabix. <laughs> think about how, so if you were to pour um, some milk onto a Weetabix, it would just, it would suck all that liquid in. And that's the soluble fiber um, doing its job. So the same with chia seeds. So if you were to pour some liquid onto a chia seed, chia seeds, it would become that like gelatinous sort of chia seed pudding, the same happens with flax seeds. And that's called soluble fiber. So it draws water in um, and, and allows it to swell. So, you know, we're thinking about what that does when it's outside our system. But if you then put that inside your system, that's exactly the same thing. It's doing exactly the same It's swelling. Uh, and it is, yeah, then going through our digestive tract. And that can be really good because I've already, you know, mentioned about how um, that fiber has a role at like cleaning up, picking up um, hormones that are no longer in use, picking up toxins, um, and also just having a soothing effect. So again, you know, if you are someone out there who is, is really having um, tummy, I'm gonna say tummy dysfunction or digestive um, dysfunction, um, and especially if you feel it in your tummy in particular, so in uh, your stomach, um, some soluble fiber can be really good for that because it's really, really soothing. So um, chia seeds and flax seeds particularly um, are really good when they're in their whole form to uh, as soluble fiber um, to, to just to, to swallow and just to, it almost coats the inside lining um, so that it protects us um, from any damage that might be done. So another thing I haven't really mentioned yet, but especially as athletes, it's really important to know that um, our intestinal lining called um, our mucosal layer, it's just the inner, inner layer of our, our digestive system, of our intestines, is only one cell thick. So it's really susceptible to wear and tear um, and too much or a, a bad diet particularly, um, but also or a lot of intensive exercise um, can uh, compromise um, the, that intestinal lining. Um, and what that can do is because it's only one cell thick, it can lead to like little gaps within these cells, which can then enable unwanted nutrients or undigested particles of food to pass through that wall into uh, the rest of our intestines and create inflammation so um and that's not good because that can lead to food sensitivities intolerances allergies um and long-term disease so we really want to make sure that intestinal lining is really really healthy um and ways we can do that particularly um is is through um good quality protein because it's the amino acid L-glutamine um, that is really the hero building block in making sure um, that that intestinal lining is really nice and healthy. Um, so a little, little fact, love a little fact, um, about our mucosal layer or our intestinal lining. So it's, 
its job is for absorption. So it's got lots of little microvilli, which are these just sort of like little ripples uh, it, within our um, intestine, which enables us to have as big a surface area as possible for absorption. So if you were to flatten that whole thing out, so this is your within your body, if you were to flatten out those intestines, um, it would cover uh, the square meterage of a football pitch. That is a huge amount. So that is how much your intestines can absorb. And that is insane. So we want to keep that really, really healthy. Um, so yeah, really good quality uh, amino, um, amino acids. So L-glutamine is the hero there. Um, and you can get that from, and we talked about this in a previous podcast, James, but um, a good um, bone broth or good stock uh, and that can be veggie stock as well, but uh, a meat stock is particularly high in L-glutamine is really good um, for supporting that um, L-glutamine. You can supplement with L-glutamine. Um, if you're interested in that, I do a supplement protocol as well. And that's why I do it. So I can support people with these and also making sure you're getting um, some good quality zinc as well, because zinc deficiency um, has been shown uh, to induce damage in, in, in that mucosal layer so zinc is in your seeds it's in your whole grains it's particularly rich in oysters if you're interested if you like oysters <laughs> um and that's really really important too amazing and i've completely forgotten what the question was now because i've gone off from one <laughs> what you were just saying is there on on the subject of supplements then and, and protein quality what are the things that companies normally list as like selling points of their protein so for instance people have probably seen labels on sports supplements that include a whole range of different things what's the relevant stuff so like l-glutamine as an example is stuff that <coughs> i'm pretty sure i've seen on the label of you know countless different supplements that i use never really understood what it does for me but you've just said it so it must be good um what what are the other the, I guess the main ones that that hold hold their own and that add actually add worth instead of just being a nice thing to try and sell a product. Well, from a digestive function point of view, uh, there's quite a lot actually. But um, certainly looking at so probiotics, so you can now buy supplemental forms of probiotics. If you so food, like I think the first thing it's always worth saying is food form is always best because supplements tend to be synthetically created. Um, you can get food form supplements. Um, and if you are someone whose digestive system is um, compromised as well, you may not absorb those supplements. So it can be wasted money. Um, and that's again, why I do a supplement protocol and because it enables me to get to the bottom of that. So, um, so yeah, food before supplements, supplements to support your, your dietary intake. Um, but with regards to the nutrients that really help with our digestive function, yeah, probiotics, and you're gonna see them all over the place at the moment because they're super popular. Uh, and from a food point of view, you see them, these in your, your um, yogurt, um, in things like kombucha, which is very popular at the moment. Um, and, what, and um, you also have kefir, which is a, a fermented milk uh, and any other fermented food. So things like sauerkraut, kimchi, even things like miso paste has got um, probiotics in it. But if you 
don't feel or if you need a little bit of extra help or none of those foods are gonna <laughs> you're, you're just not going to touch them at all um, a probiotic supplement can be useful so again and from my point of view it's really exciting because when I first started studying nutrition there was pretty much only one strain of bacteria available um, and now you can get lots of different strains so I've already touched upon the fact that we have just so many bacteria within our digestive system so many different strains different types which do different roles and we don't know what they are um, so when you're looking at getting a probiotic supplement you want to have um, as many strains as possible so look at the back of it and it will say it's got so many different strains with so many different microorganisms and so you are looking at having as many different strains as possible because they will benefit more things so if you look even at, at some protein powders now they actually incorporate um, probiotics uh, into um, their the powders as well so it gives it that extra like you're getting some nutrients in as like you're getting some beneficial supplementation as well as the protein so that's really good um digestive enzymes they might also be something that you see as a supplement so again if you're someone um who might be struggling with the initial digestion so um a sign of that could be a lot of heartburn um which means it's, it's happening more up in the, in the stomach area than the intestine area. Um, some digestive enzymes um, can be a good start just to make sure that the digestion is, is having a little bit of help. So foods that help with that is um, papaya uh, and pineapple. They're really high in digestive enzymes, and but you can also buy them in supplement form. And some especially protein powders and especially plant-based protein powders um, tend to incorporate them within within them to almost help the breakdown of, of the protein powder because plant-based protein powder can be a little bit harder to digest. Uh, and then the other two major nutrients really um, other than yeah L-glutamine or your amino acids uh, is also your B vitamins they just interplay so much into um, our, our stomach and um, intestinal function um, and uh, zinc, um, which yeah, is really important for our, our gut integrity. Uh, and then my favorite, which I often say is magnesium and um, because it can really support that sort of relaxation size or you know that rest and digest. Um, so making sure you're, you're because your gut does so much what we call peristalsis, but like movement uh, is enabling, it's supporting that contraction and relax relaxation, especially if you're someone who does get a lot of um, abdominal discomfort. Amazing. Vicky, the, I mean, this, this conversation, I feel like this conversation's only just started and we've been, uh, we've been talking for nearly an hour. So I think, I mean, as I've said, we, we, can, we can open this topic up a little bit further. We can... We can do some more podcasts. I think in terms of immediate relevance to people, um, just thinking while I'm while I'm listening to you, obviously we've we've talked loads about adding things to our diet, which is is great. Um, I love adding food for whatever reason, any excuse to put more food in as long as it's high quality is all good with me. What what are the things that and I don't I don't want to villainize any food, um, but what are the things that you would tell people to eat with caution or in or in moderation and what would that moderation look like so things which are you know we're eating more fiber we're eating more 
probiotics. We're focusing on putting lots of good stuff in. What are the things that we should potentially try to minimize the intake of because they will limit what we're trying to achieve or actually start undoing some of the good stuff that we're that we've started doing yeah so we've talked about like net profit foods so foods that are really beneficial so it's the foods that are are gonna be yeah they're gonna create that that profit loss let's call it like that um so really heavily processed foods or foods with lots of colorings in or e numbers in uh monosodium glutamide msg um all of those um additives that don't come naturally they are going to compromise our digestive function um our they're not going to enable our our um, bacteria to thrive uh and yeah they are going to also sort of stop that or or create harm um, and added wear and tear on our actual digestive tract and particularly that mucosal layer that we've talked about as well. Um, so yeah, lots of things, foods that just, you know, don't, you haven't been made at home. So come like heavily packaged, um, have lots of high sugar, um, high sugar foods is um, definitely going to play a toll. A really high salt foods will also, um, yeah, create um, long-term havoc. Um, so yeah, really make sure you're keeping an eye out for how much processed food you're getting um, or having in your diet um, or, or those sort of empty calories as such. Um, instead of really focus more on having whole food for whole food form foods so okay. things that you've made from scratch um, yeah. with yeah some really good high plant di diversity um good whole grain carbohydrate um and we haven't even touched on carbohydrate yet uh, and um medium protein because our body only digests so much protein um so if you've got too much uh, it, it's not beneficial yeah okay and what are your thoughts on I feel like I, this might be a, a potentially slightly contentious. Um, what are your personal views on like the zero cal stuff? Because I think, I mean, certainly in the past I've used it and I think it's where people are, you know, people are trying to achieve specific body compositions, be that increased muscle, reduced fat, whatever it might be, but they have a sweet tooth, for instance. So instead of eating a load of sugar, which we know, in high quantities is bad they use like these zero calorie syrups which for the life of me i can't find a natural ingredient on the back of the packet from start to finish which knowing what i do now rings alarm bells for me it wouldn't have done 10 years ago by any stretch of the imagination probably not even five years ago to the fact to the point where i'd be like well oh, i'm actually not going to consume that so for example for me personally at the weekends if i have pancakes made with buckwheat flour and all the, the good stuff going in, I would now opt, I would opt for less maple syrup than a ton of zero cal maple syrup, which is artificially produced. So is that the right thing to be doing? And B, yeah, what are your thoughts on? A hundred percent that's the right thing to do. And you've answered your own question really, because of the fact you said, you know, you've looked at the back of the packet. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> there's just got a whole list of things and my general rule of thumb is if if 
if you look at back packet and it's got more than five ingredients then you know that that is going to have less benefit it's going to be less beneficial food um so with regards to artificial sweeteners to start with and there's a lot of there's quite a lot of different artificial sweeteners out there now um things like uh, aspartamine sucralose um and what these tend to do um is they actually um kind of confuse a lot of our hormones so they can actually create more cravings um so actually often if you are having a lot of um like foods with artificial sweeteners in them yes they might have a lower glycemic index so they're not going to create those blood sugar spikes often they can actually create higher cravings so actually overall you end up eating more anyway so it's really worth having a Kevin good idea about that um, the other one um, from the point of sweeteners, stevia is quite popular now, but I, I have found and I, I haven't, I don't actually know about the science behind this, but it tends to be a very Marmite sweetener. Um, and I do find a lot of clients actually come back to me saying it gives me a bad tummy or it gives me migraines. Um, so stevia can be a good sweetener um, because it is naturally sourced um, and it doesn't increase um, your glycemic index um, but just test it out first because not everyone gets on with it. Um, the creme of, of sweeteners is called yacon syrup, doesn't create um, a glycemic spike uh, and like you spoke about maple syrup which is also is a great plant-based um, sweetener but that will increase that spike. Uh, it is really expensive because it's from a Peruvian root I think so it's quite expensive but if, if you're looking at a a good art, um, good sweetener that isn't artificial um, and isn't going to hit that glycemic index yakon syrup is really good um, but to answer your question Ellie just be really mindful of yeah low fat foods because at the end or, or low sugar foods because at the end of the day if they've got if they want to continue to have that same or try and have that same flavor, same texture and trick you that they are the real thing, they're going to have to put something into it. It's the same with <clears throat> gluten-free foods. Um, if it doesn't have gluten in it, it's got to have something else in it. And often like actually a lot of, because it's a lot more research has been done, they're beginning to put much better ingredients. Um, but in the past they just, and often now they just fill gluten-free foods full of sugar because they've got to replace that glu glucose with glucose gluten with something so just really be really mindful of that check the back of your packets thanks vicky that's amazing um i'm i don't want to but i think we're gonna have to round this up at some point um it's probably a topic we could talk about all day so just i mean there are probably two or three podcasts that i can think of that we can do as offshoots of this um what are your, but just, but just to close this off on a, on a note where people can immediately start utilizing the information that they've been given, what would be your top three things to start doing or stop doing now, which will help improve gut health that will have a direct impact on your mental health? So I know that there's lots of stuff that I mean, it's linked, so it will all have a difference, but the three things that will make the most significant difference by consuming or not consuming with a, with a positive effect on mental health. Um, make sure you have probi probiotic food in your diet. So try and have a probiotic food 
um, every day. So if even if that is just some live yogurt, so make sure when you're buying yogurt, it says it's got live cultures in it. That would be my number one thing. Make sure you're propagating that digestive system. The second thing would be get your five fruit and veg in per day. Um, we are only at the tip of the iceberg of how bioavailable nutrients support our function and our gut function and our brain function play into that hugely. So making sure you're having that diversity is so important. Um, and the final thing um, would be just to try and eat mindfully. Um, and, you know, we're talking about takeaways um, to help our, um, our mind and our mood and just, you know, think of food as a really positive thing. And it doesn't have to be about taking away. Um, so create food that you love, that you enjoy and eat it slowly, eat it mindfully, eat it away from doing five different things so that your body has the time to taste, to smell, to absorb all those sensations that are so interlinked with eating with food. Food is not just about nutrients, it's about our social uh, interaction, it's about um, happiness and health and vitality and so much of that has been taken away from us at the moment. Let's make sure we really embrace food for what it is. So like if you can do one thing this week, like maybe choose a new recipe that you haven't tried before. Enjoy going out and shopping for all of those different ingredients. Take time um, to, to prepare it, something you've prepared and take time to sit down to eat it and to enjoy everything about it because if we can't love food then what is the point in having it that would be my takeaway amazing uh vicky thank you ever so much um as always um another steep learning curve loads of really interesting information um some good validation there i think as well for people who are starting to to, to pay more attention to looking after their gut. So thank you. Um, we'll definitely have you back on um, for some more podcasts with regards to gut health specifically. I think it's super important at the moment. Um, but for now, Vicky, thank you for your time today. Um, guys, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Any feedback, comment, questions? Um, if you want to speak to Vicky directly off the back of this, then obviously let us know um but yeah for now have a good day guys and we will see you again soon <laughs>